Okay, so welcome into this Saturday. Before I get into the Saturday edition, you'll hear that intro again. Welcome in. Anyways, so I just want to—I'm a man to admit, I'm an idiot. I picked the Golden State Warriors. I even thought with Golden State's, you know, Clay, Steph, and Draymond, they were going to hold up. It didn't work out. Obviously, KD towards Achilles tendon. So let's see what happens with that. If Clay Thompson tears ACL. I mean, if this is the fall of the dynasty, it's a terrible fall of the dynasty. We'll get back into more more of the uh, fall of the Golden State Warriors potentially on Wednesday. I apologize for no Wednesday editions. Like I said, I've been working and working on getting more people on on Saturday. The next thing I want to touch on is, I mean, everyone is rooting against Golden State. I understand it. Remember, I kept. I'm a big fan for dynasties. How dominance is important. Uh, dominance is important in sports. I was like, no, it's not. I always ask people, were the 90s fun for Chicago? Were the 80s fun for Boston and L.A.? Did anybody have a problem with it? No, we watched every documentary. We love to talk about it. Jordan's a goat. We can't talk about LeBron James. Uh, you know, Jordan in the 90s and the Bulls have six, uh, two three-peats. We can't talk about the Warriors. 20 years from now, we're going to be asked, hey, was LeBron that good? You're going to say, yeah, he fucking was. You're going to be asked, hey, how good was the Warriors dynasty and what really happened with it? And then you're going to be able to tell the story because you remember it was fun. It was exciting. But like I said, a lot of people don't want to see it. Anyways, like I said, I'm a man to admit I picked Steph Curry for the MV- finals MVP. Duh, wasn't even close. Yeah, You know what? It, he, had a, he had a good series. But man, was he gassed. I think it was like game three or four where the Warriors were given all they all they got. You see Draymond, Steph, and Clay all huffing and puffing on the court, and it's not even the fourth. I'm like, they're in trouble. We'll get to that more Wednesday. I hope so. Like I said, I've been busy. I'll try to I'll try to get back with it. Anyways, this Saturday's co-host, or I guess my guest, is Harold Goldberg. Uh, I mean, this was a fun conversation. Unfortunately, had to cut it short because I ran a little bit late. The connection ran a little bit late. Anyway, so we only got about half hour in or so. I cut out the awkward part where he's like, I got to get going. Oh, yeah. So anyways, I cut that out. So you might hear a little bit of cut towards the end. Anyway, so who is he? Harold Goldberg is right off his site. First off, wonderful guest. Great guest. Got to email him. I want to get him back on. We had a great conversation. Very nerdy, but very entertaining and very informative, by the way. So it's about video games. But here we go. Harold Goldberg has written for the magazines and newspapers online sites, such as New York Times, the New York Times Book Review, Vanity Fair, uh, Talk, Radar, The Atlantic, Washington Post, Entertainment Weekly, uh, US to USA Today, Family Circle, Boys Life. I mean, he's written for almost everyone. There's the Rolling Stones in here as well. He was also a part of the interview for uh, the state of big money industry company of uh, Cosmo. He's done a lot of great things. He's one of the most exclusive guys who's ever been able to interview. If you know who this, if you know the the gaming of industry, you know, of this game, uh, rockstar company, they came out with grand theft auto. They came out red Dead redemption. He's one of the only exclusive guys who I believe he says in the interview, uh, is, it's, I think it's the owner of rockstar or one of the creators. So anyways, it's impressive. It was fun. You get to learn a lot about gaming and how it's coming up in the world. I think, be- I believe it's going to take off. I think it's continuing to take off. It's big in Asia. It's big in Europe. Eventually, I think it's working way to America. You see it now. Every middle schooler, what's the first question you ask them? How's Fortnite going? It's a big thing in Asia and Europe. There's huge gaming competitions. ABC and Disney just signed a contract. It obviously, ESPN's in there as well. TNT and the Turner Company signed contracts. You get into that this whole time, this whole conversation. Like I said, it was fun. It was great. It was a nerd fest. But I hope you guys get informed of how gaming is coming up into this world, not only via just tournaments and Geeks Underground coming out 
but how it's taken over culturally as well. So without further ado, guys, here's a Saturday Saturday edition with Harold Goldberg. Look him up. You can find his website online. Hope to have him back anyways. Hope you enjoy it. So welcome into this Saturday edition. Alongside me today, I have Harold Green, uh, Goldberg. Sorry. I'm very excited for this one. He is, uh, well, I'll, you know, I won't do a background. He'll do it for me. So uh, Harold, why don't you tell the people a little bit about yourself? I'm a, a journalist, Sergio, so I've written for pretty much every uh, magazine in, around. Um, I started the New York Video Game Critics Circle, uh, which is a nonprofit that uh, helps uh, and mentors kids in underserved areas. Um, I produce the New York Game Awards, which is like a mini version of what Jeff Keighley does with the Game Awards. Um, not so many anymore. And then um, I write books as well. So as far as games go, I've written a book called My Life. I've, I've written a book called All Your Base Are Belong to Us, How 50 Years of Video Games Conquered Pop Culture. Um, I did one about esports called the League of Legends Experience and um, a couple of others. The other, uh, another one was uh, My Life Among the Serial Killers with Dr. Helen Morrison who's a psychologist and a lawyer, um, kind of uh, first, kind of like uh, Clarice from Silence of the Lambs, except uh, with more degrees. Well, that sounds uh, very wide and broad. And um, yeah, I saw the book, My Life Among the Serial Killers. That was very interesting. And we actually brought it up a little bit. So the reason I wanted to bring you on, uh, like I told you before, I am a huge video game fan. I think uh, me personally, I feel like esports and video gaming is moving in, is moving in the right direction slash also becoming a big global uh, product. Uh, every time I tell people that, it's like, oh, that's just a nerdy thing. It's not really a nerdy thing anymore. It's kind of the thing. I, mean, uh, I was looking up uh, with Tyler Ninja Blevins. I think uh, Insider Business says he makes over half a million dollars a month. Uh, he's all over Twitch, YouTube. So that's why I wanted to bring you on to talk about uh, the esports or the gaming industry. So, what got you uh, interested to go into that uh, to write about uh, video games? Well, um, I, I was just telling the story the other day. So, years ago, um, a couple of magazines I was writing for uh, started game coverage, like, and it was Entertainment Weekly, and then there was a magazine. For the Wall Street Journal, and so I spent three thousand dollars on a, a, a Pentium PC computer, which had a CD-ROM drive, mm-hmm. and so that you can tell that was a long time ago. So it was a lot of full motion video stuff at the time. Like uh, there were games like The Seventh Guest and Phantasmagoria, so they had like numerous CDs because there was so much. Uh, 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 video on them, and so so that's kind of how I started with um, with, with magazines, and I had been writing about music, film, and TV uh, until that point, and I still had I still do that to a certain extent, but ever since All Your Base Are Belong to Us came out, it's been a lot of uh, video game coverage, and that was uh, like six, seven years ago now. Okay. And so why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about that book? So that, uh, that book is based on 200 interviews I, I did. And uh, I think 
it covers various arcs, but one of the most interesting arcs is how um, games conquered pop culture. So that, and then also I talk about how games are kind of artful, popular art endeavors. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and certainly have become more so as uh, the years have gone on. And so, um, and also there are two chapters uh, about Rockstar Games, and I was able to interview Sam Hauser from Rockstar, and they are really hard to get into. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm proud of a few of those chapters, but the Rockstar chapters were so hard to get. Um, and, but it did start uh, a relationship there with Rockstar where I'm one of the, I think I'm the only uh, video game writer they do trust to bring in and, and talk to um, at length. So um, um, I've talked to Sam Hauser a few times over the years. And I think I've, I don't know, I mean, I look back at the tapes and I think I've got about eight hours of Sam and maybe uh, five hours of Dan Hauser on tape. So there's definitely lots of, uh, lots of interviewing with them. Yeah, and for those who don't know, Rockstar Gaming is, uh, if, I mean, if you're under a rock, they, they created the Grand Theft Autos as their well, mo- most well-known game. Um, so what did you find interesting from the Rockstar uh, Gaming Company? What was interesting is there had not been that much uh, written about them from the founder's point of view. So there really hadn't been any history written. So all of it was interesting. And since uh, at since Sam Hauser hadn't done any interviews uh, prior to that, uh, at least for 10 years anyway, uh, I, he was very excited and uh, open about uh, talking to me. So, so there really, really were, nothing was kind of left off the table. He, uh, he was able to talk about pretty much anything I, I spoke about, I, I, I asked. So it was, it was really a good conversation. So, uh, I just wish kind of that the rest of those tapes, could, uh, the tapes could come out because they're really, they're really kind of interesting. Yeah, that is very interesting that there's not enough, uh, there's not as much written about the creator of Rockstar just because it's such a well-known uh, gaming company for anybody who has played video games. You probably came across one of their games. Um, and so where do you see and what, what do you see for video games as like your book says coming up in pop culture? So how did that begin and where do you think it's going to continue to go? Well, um, esports was just kind of a flicker in people's eyes at the time. I mean, there were there were some leagues uh, when I was writing that book, but I didn't I didn't feel I had a grasp on them enough. I felt they were kind of flashes at the, in the pan. They would come and go, and there were um, like this guy Thresh was one of the early um, um, game champions uh he i th- i don't know if he did he, he did doom or you know one of the one of the id games that he became really popular at um but it wasn't really as widespread and even like five years ago i did a cover story in playboy about league of legends and that's when i think things were really coming to the fore so it was kind of uh a subculture at the time that was about to break out into the mainstream. So there, I always like to write about that sort of thing where it's not mainstream yet, but it's going to break into the mainstream. And so then there's lots of ups and downs 
as they try to grow. So um, at that point, I thought esports was kind of like the Wild West. And if you asked any of the managers of the teams or the owners of the teams, they would kind of say the same same things. So um, I remember uh, that Cloud9, the League of Legends team, was really struggling to get um, um, a sponsorship at the time. And uh, they felt the one of the breakthroughs was, I think, maybe the uh, Air Force gave them some money. So they weren't, they weren't like they are now. They're really trying to tell people that this is, a, a, this is a sport. This is something people will come to watch. This is something people watch on their TVs and their phones, and, and it's only going to grow. And it was hard for them at that point. Honestly, I've been told that that story, since it was so long and so uh, for a mainstream publication, is something that, that uh, um, the salespeople would take into uh, uh, meetings with Coke and say, here, this is something that was written about in the mainstream and it tells it like it is. Mm-hmm. And so then I wrote a, sh- a short, I kickstarted a short book on it. And um, I think it's still kind of like the Wild West, but kind of less so. I, I feel like there needs to be more rules, more protection of the players. Um, uh, but I think that, you know, more women need to be involved. But I think that it's becoming a more mainstream with each day that goes by and the award shows have uh, esports awards now. It's just, and, and, and I, I'm, I'm really excited to watch them. I, I remember watching uh, the NBA 2K uh, run by uh, uh, Knicks Gaming last year. Mm-hmm. And it was so interesting because Knicks Gaming was at the, they just made, barely made the playoffs. And then they just kept beating every team in the league to to win the cup at the end. And it was so exciting to see that um, when we at the New York Video Game Critics Circle uh, voted for uh, best rookie team, it, it ended up going to um, to Knicks Gaming because they really did come from nowhere to win it. Yeah, I mean, I I haven't really looked into it too much, but I do know. The, haven't professional basketball teams kind of started their own e-league uh, or e-sports league for 2K? Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and, and you know, I should have prefaced it by saying that. So, so um, pretty much everyone has a team at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, here in New York, there's a studio where you can go. Uh, it, it's in Long Island City, which is part of Queens. Um, and you can go, you can go watch the, watch the games when they are during their season, just kind of like you can watch a league of legends, uh, match, um, on the West coast. So yeah, it's really, it's really interesting. Uh, Rick Fox is, uh, uh, very much, uh, you know, he's a team owner and very big proponent of where the sport can go. So it's really kind of an interesting it's a really it's a really interesting time for the the basketball franchise although um you know some people say it's it's boring to watch i don't i don't feel that way at all i, I if if your team is has a chance and it's winning it's very exciting yeah i i mean i remember i think it was yeah i saw an interview with ninja and he said you know 
how can people sit around and watch a guy play a video game or, you know, play a, play a game or play a sports game. And he, he kind of compared it to, well, don't you, doesn't everybody do that on Sunday anyways? You, you sit there and watch, you know, whatever football team you're watching, play a sport that you could go out and play yourself. So I was like, okay, that's a pretty good comparison. It's a little bit different, but um, yeah, the attendance is just kind of through the roof. I, I have a friend who her sister's over, I think it's in Korea mm-hmm. and she attended a, uh, as an e-sport event. I don't remember what she didn't remember which one it was, if it was like a Starcraft or a League of Legends, but she said it was like, it, it's like a professional sport kind of attendance. It was, you know, they're handing out yeah. noise makers and, you know, you had to be pick a side and start screaming whenever someone got a kill. And it was just uh, crazy whenever you watch anything in Korea that's compared to uh, America. It's almost like, you know, watching a baseball or football game. So uh, mm-hmm. when I, and like, like we just brought up how professional basketball teams are kind of catching on to the esports and it, i i said it before and i've been saying it and people are like yeah it's not really th-. like i said i think esports is becoming the new i guess professional league that just nobody knows about would that be accurate i think that people do are beginning to know about but that that is like a really uh, smart observation that that, that it's still the it's still I, I five years ago i made that analogy that in that playboy story that it's 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 you know it's it's the biggest sport that no one knows about mm-hmm. and I, I think i think you're i think to an extent that you're right but i think that parents today i mean fortnite is not uh necessarily an, an e-sport but it, it has some elements and uh, you know, every parent knows about Fortnite and <laughs> yeah. the games that kids play on on their mobile phones. So, so I think it is known at this point, but it's not. Perhaps it's not taken as seriously by people who are older, but it really is taken uh, uh, seriously by uh, people who are uh, thirty and under. I would say. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, uh, I mean. I, I I did try the Fortnite trend for a bit. I, I was okay, then I sucked at it. But man, I, I'll tell you what. Every time I come around a middle schooler, they they think a dancing is a Fortnite dance. I'm like, no, just stop, please. <laughs> so, that's right. But that's 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 you know that's what they're up to. So so that, that's that's totally cool. I mean, the only thing I would suggest to anyone who plays games try to play a variety of games because there's so many genres out there that are really interesting. I mean, Red Dead Redemption is a beautiful game that okay. you spend tons of hours in and you really feel uh, uh, bound by the story and then there are a bunch of you know they call them uh, games for change but there are usually social issues there's uh, something called Dra- that dragon cancer which a uh, game developer's son was dying and he kind of chronicled what that's like for um for for the world to to see and there's uh, there's, you know, what about Syrian refugees leaving uh, Syria? So there's, for any kind of, there's a game called Walden about Henry David Thoreau. So if you're, whether you just want to play uh, Fortnite or if you want to go deeper to something that is even more literary, there's a, there's a game for everyone. Um, um, I, you know, I'm, I'm currently playing something called the Elder Schools Blades. And it's a free-to-play app um, based in the Elder Scrolls world. And it's very compelling to the point of being addicting. And I'm, I, I like to say that I'm not an addictive type, but uh, this, this, I, I, I am very compelled to play this game, despite many er- 
many problems with the game. But in any case, I did want to bring up one thing about you mentioned uh, um, uh, games in Korea. So when I did mm-hmm. uh, cover League of Legends for Playboy, I, I, they did send me to Korea to uh, the League of Legends finals in Seoul. And it really was a fantastic experience. There were 40,000 people there. Um, uh, Imagine Dragons played uh, a, a couple of songs, and there were these Taito drumming, I think it was Taito drumming, okay. which was very um, kind of dramatic. And uh, people were screaming. And there, I went to one in Paris as well. It was an all-star match. And that was the first match that I'd ever been to. And the screaming was... It was like any rock concert that you've ever been to or any playoff that you've ever been to uh, that's, you know, whether it's hockey or basketball or, or baseball or, or football or soccer. It just, it's the, 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 the din of sound just strikes you almost like uh, uh, um, a battering ram. So it's really kind of interesting to see it for the first time. I'd suggest to all of your listeners that if they haven't, gone to one of these events um, that are bigger um, that they did just try it out and check it out it's pretty amazing to see yeah i mean uh i'm I'm a man to admit that i'll sit here uh if if i don't find anything interesting on netflix or hulu i'll go to youtube and i'm a big fan of watching um the starcraft 2 leagues you know the start you know you have Mm -hmm. um you know, Cyril, who's in my opinion, taking over Starcraft two as of right now. But anyways, so I'll sit there and watch, you know, an mm-hmm. hour and a half or so of, of just, you know, pro gamers going at it in a, in a game that I totally suck at, but it's enjoyable. There's a couple <laughs> of things I wanted to talk about. So like I said, when I say it, to me, it's the future of it. And here's some stats for why I think it is because in 2014 in Seoul, Korea, it, it was a 45,000 attendance. It, they sold that out. They had 27 million people watching online, and the prize pool was 2.13 million. So it's not like you know you're you're playing for peanuts and cracker jacks or a diet Pepsi or a Mountain Dew anymore. You're playing for real money over like, when you play uh, esports when you go professional. Um, right. So it's, that's why I think it's becoming such such a like you and you're saying it's become part of the culture with Fortnite and everything. But I just recently read that Blizzard signed on with Disney to potentially put on some. Uh, some leagues on ABC and ESPN. Uh, I saw a documentary. It was, I forgot the name of it, but it was on Netflix. Um, but they, there was how colleges are offering scholarships to come play video games and represent the school. So I think slowly more and more it's going to turn to that. But it, it, Harold, I'm pretty sure you've covered some of it, but it's actually a pretty big risk to try to go professional in video gaming because some kids don't get a college degree and your, your window for being an actual professional is what, probably like 17 to like 24, 25, just because reaction time? Yeah, I think that's true. I think that's expanding a little bit um, um, to, to maybe a couple of years older than that. But okay. um, some, some, some people uh, play for a few years and then go back to college. I mean, it doesn't mean you can't go to college afterwards, but, um, and then a lot of the, the, the people that I've talked to were, you know, started playing in college and then dropped out of college because they became professionals. So I think, I mean, if you're a fan of an esport, that that is probably, that is a dream to become mm. uh, very successful at it. Um, they, you know, it's, it's, you can make a lot of money so it's, it's, and then 
you know, your parents will probably say, don't do it. But, you know, once the money starts rolling in, they really can't, they can't complain anymore. You know, people have bought their, you know, just like they do in, in, in uh, professional sports that are, are more well-known, you know, they might buy their parents a new home or something like that with the money they've earned. It's, um, it's, 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 you know, it, but then again, it's just as in professional sports like the NBA or NFL, such a small fraction yeah. can make it to that, 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 uh, spot where you're making uh, a million a year. So uh, even if you're on a sports team, if you're not the most recognizable esport player, you're probably making, I don't know, I mean, $100,000 or under for the year. Um, But if you are, but if you are also playing on Twitch and people are giving you extra money for that, uh, you can earn money that way. But if you're one of the bigger guys, so like Bjergsen in League of Legends, um, those folks make a ton of money um, each year. And um, they'll, they'll have, uh, you know, they may not have to work after esports at all unless they want to. And and that's another comparison I can make to pro sports as well is that uh, – I always say this about the top players in basketball, but it's even, you know, recognizable that if, if you're a professional athlete in a certain sport, whether it be basketball or baseball or football, if you have a halfway decent or a good personality, good enough for TV, you can come on and talk about it. Or you can come on and be a cornerstone of it. Like Charles Barkley, Shaq and Kenny Smith do it for TNT. You have, uh, you know, you have Steven Jackson over at, you know, Fox, you have other, other players sprinkled throughout the, uh, the networks and it's kind of the same comparison I do to esports is that if you're a big enough name or if you're good enough or your personality is good enough like I said Ninja he's I don't think he's really a prof- uh, professional uh, esporter but he's just so good with his content on YouTube Twitch that he's so entertaining that he can still draw people in so even after your career ends with esports if you're good enough on Twitch and YouTube you're entertaining enough people will still watch you just like they do on TNT ABC ESPN talking to these pro- these former professional pros. So that's another comparison I do to sport esports and then regular sports. That's true. That's true. And and um you know also doing something like ninja that also is it's it, that may even be more difficult than um for sure than being a professional esports player. I'm, I I don't know. I, I I'm not sure uh you know what one's personality has to be to, you know, make the kind of money esports uh, or a ninja makes in uh, a month, but um, you know he's got a certain magic that that uh, that some of us don't have, and they all work pretty hard at it. You know whether you like them or not, uh, for one reason or another, um, they they you know there's no doubt that they work hard at it. Yeah, it's definitely a full time job. I think people think it's just okay. I'm just going to play for two hours and then put you know load the video and then go you know watch Netflix. I know there's editing. There's you know, marketing and he's very, I mean, he is pretty entertaining. Uh, he's very good at what he does. So, you know, like, like anything else, you have to be well-versed and really good at what you do. I mean, no one's going to watch you play Fortnite or League of Legends and you completely suck at it. Um, you have to be somewhat entertaining. He's very good at it. So, well, I mean, I could make, I can make an analogy to our New York game awards, which, um, goes to our chair, the profits of which go to our charity and leading up to that, 
we there's a lot of promotion so much so that on Twitch we got uh, about 400,000 viewers this year. Mm-hmm. But if if I or one of our critics just wants to go and play uh, um, um, a game on, on 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 Twitch without any promotion going in, we won't get many uh, people watching at all. So I, you know, the, the, that that whole marketing arm is kind of a struggle. And if you've got that down, then then I think you're golden as far as uh, you know making money on YouTube or Twitch or where have you. For sure. Uh, so let's. Uh, I want to change the change the conversation just a little bit. Uh, you said that you know some some uh, game creators have put little sprinkles of their own story or other things in it, and that kind of brought a question to mind. Do you ever think that in the video game industry, you know, teachers went from you know standing up and teaching to standing up teaching? Here's a video. Do you think they're ever gonna use you know a video game to kind of because I, I it sounds terrible, but I think more and more kids are more in tune to video gaming and uh, you know electronics are taking over the world whether we like it or not. Do you ever think they'll use video gaming as a tool of education? We do it. Um, that's what we do with the New York Video Game Critics Circle. So, okay. Um, and our, you know, our pilot plan has been up in the Bronx in an underserved area that's the most um, poverty-stricken congressional district in the United States. So what we do up there is use video games to teach uh, games, journalism, and 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 narratives. So uh, we teach kids up there to uh, write game reviews and do interviews, and um, the best of those kids become paid interns at our nygamecritics.com site. So um, it can be done, and you know we've it's gotten to the point where we've had uh, uh, Sean Layden, the uh, head of Sony, come and um, talk to the kids about his pathway to success and how to succeed in the game industry. Really? We've had Reggie, Reggie, he's a me from Nintendo, uh, come personally to mentor. So, um, yeah, I think wow. video games are a very important tool, um, to, uh, to, to, to increase education. And um, that, that's kind of what we're doing here in, in New York City. So we're expanding to a couple of other schools. Um, we're helping to create um, a thing called the Bronx Game Center, which will, you know, be heavily education oriented and based on the, the kind of rubric and template that we have at the school in the Bronx called the Dream Yard Prep School. So I think it's also, I, I think that, kids don't need to have code to uh, get into the video game industry. Um, you may have to take a, a course or two, but if you want to tell stories, that's a different course of, of learning. And if you want to be a musician, you may have to learn a couple of programs, but you really don't have to code if you want to get into the games industry. So that's what we're kind of telling kids in these underserved areas that, look, you don't have to be a QA tester. and You don't have to go to college to learn code. You can just do these more creative, artful things and um, or craft-oriented things like journalism, mm. and and you can make a job that do a you know get a, make a decent living that way. Yeah, I mean, I think what what you're doing is obviously wonderful, and I think you're 
you're kind of pushing them in the right direction. If they're into video gaming, if, you know, if you're not a, uh, sounds terrible, but if you're not a personality for Twitch or YouTube and, you know, you think you, you got to go be a tester, you got to write code. But I always tell, I work at a high school, I, I work with the, the athletes there and I always tell them, when, you know, whenever you're going to college or whenever you're trying to find something to do uh, after college for a career, I always tell them to look at what is around and what's going to last for a long time because that's what's going to keep you a job. And I mean, cars for the longest time, I think batteries are going to be the new thing that are going to up and come because we're switching to, uh, uh, I think Tesla's eventually going to take over with, you know, battery operated cars, battery operated phones, anything battery operated is going to take over in my opinion. And like we're kind of pointing out and proving that video games are taking over. So if you can write about it, you can have a website about it or uh, be a critic about it or journal journalist about it. And that's going to give you a job for a long time because it's going to be around. I think it's only getting bigger. So I think what you're doing is wonderful. And it sounds awesome for the, for the kids that have the opportunity. Um, yeah, thanks, man. It's good. It's, it's, you know, it's growing and it's, it's good to kind of give back in the sense that as journalists, we're kind of uh, um, jaded in a way, cynical. Yeah. And that's, you know, that's part of the gig, right? But uh, even though we love games, you know, we, we see certain things that we don't like in them. And then when we see kids playing and just really loving everything, it really gives us uh, that childlike sense of wonder that we we had going in. Yeah. I mean, you know, I don't want to promote and sit here pushing you know, off, play, you know, video games 12, 15 hours a day, which sometimes is fun. But, you know, there's a fine line. I always tell people I, I enjoy video games, but it's not like a six hour marathon anymore for me. But I, to me, it's, right. it's a... It's a fun, fun way, just like we're all trying to do to escape life or just or reality just for a little bit. And just, you know, for a split second, I'm a professional baseball player, basketball player, whatever. Or, uh, you know, I'm some guy in Grand Theft Auto just driving around and shooting whatever. So it's, it's a great escape. I think we do it all the time on Twitter, Instagram, and whatever, whatever other social media we have. Uh, hey, right. I want to ask you a quick question. Uh, I don't know how much time you have left, but have you ever seen the movie Ready Player One? Um, I do have to go soon. Yeah, well, um, um, Ernie um, and I are on the same uh, book company, uh, uh, so I, I I remember going to his uh, launch party for Ready Player One. I don't think anyone thought it was going to be as huge as it was, but yeah, I um, I have seen Ready Player One. Okay, so for those who haven't, Ready Player One is basically about it's it's so it's not too far into the future, but basically it's a virtual reality kind of takes over. There's real life and virtual reality is two kind of currencies. And uh, but do you ever see in the future? Do you ever see this becoming a possibility, like video gaming slash virtual reality taking over? Not really. I guess in the movie it kind of takes over, but in my opinion, I think it's it, it's kind of in the right direction. In my opinion. Well, I mean, it could. I mean, there's there there's a positive aspect. Uh, in the ending of Ready Player One. There's also a book um, called Infinite Jest by uh, David Foster Wallace. And and so that kind of uh, uh, game taking over is talked about in there with uh, much more cynical results. Mm -hmm. So, uh, um, So I think that we have so much choice in leisure activities now that that might be the reason that our uh we're we're, we're all growing older you know we're all making uh not all but many of us are, are hitting uh, uh 100 before we die so i i think that 
you know, you never want to spend so much time with in the virtual world that you don't have access to the so-called real world. So yeah. um, I, I think that every everything is best done in moderation, and that includes uh, video games. For sure. Uh, you know, I, I the reason I thought it would be a I, I, first off, I I went into like okay, keep, people keep telling me it's a good a good movie, and then I, I came out saying, wow, that was a good movie. And I started thinking the reason I thought I'd be potentially accurate is just because, like I said, we as humans and the way we're going, in my opinion, we we continue to try to find a way out of reality slash take a break from it. In my opinion, so when I saw, it, I was like, I could potentially see it not in this greater scale, but potentially being a real possibility of a lot of people escaping to virtual reality and using real uh, you know using current currency to use for microtransactions in a virtual reality kind of uh, world so uh, yeah. well i think that's true and i'm sorry i interrupted you no go right ahead well one of the other things we do with our group is that we um teach older adults uh, about games and virtual reality and um, older adults just love traveling in virtual reality, whether it's like a science fiction world or just somewhere in um, you know some island in the Pacific. They just because yep. they can't they can't really get around that much anymore. So this is a way for them uh, to uh, check out different portions of the worlds, whether they're fantasy worlds or real worlds. That they haven't been able to. One of the, I remember there was a woman who was about seventy-five, and I, we did a workshop where we did casual apps like CNN and National Geographic apps, games, casual games, and then more hardcore games. So I, the last day we showed, I thought they were ready for it. We showed um, Until Dawn, Rush of Blood, which is a VR game. Uh, that has a horror theme, and you're kind of on a, this kind of cool roller coaster going through various mm-hmm. environments. So the woman um, started what the director of the center thought was screaming. So he ran over and said, "Are you all right? Are you all right?" And she said, "Yeah, yeah, I'm having a great time. I haven't been able to be on a roller coaster in in, in Coney Island in many years. So this is like the best thing for me. Plus I love shooting goats. She she was having a good time. So yeah, I think that um, there's a portion of people if they have access, access is a big thing because, um, um, you know, games cost a lot of money and Mm -hmm. hardware costs a lot of money. So if access is made, more available to people, then I think it would uh, it would uh, quicken the, the the pace of uh, the, the the so-called takeover that you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. Like you said, she was kind of you know uh, really into the virtual reality right in the roller coaster. But not only that, I feel like at some point, uh, you know, the gaming industry is going to make you feel like you're the main character in a certain movie or a certain mission, and I think people would love that. Some people go go into a movie, leave it like, wow, that was a really good movie. That'd be fun to you know be a part of or something along the lines i feel like virtual reality can do that for you where it's like okay you're the main character in this you know certain mission or movie so you know you you kind of run with it and you do it your way so yeah and and there's a there's a new virtual reality headset called the oculus quest and that just launched last week and in it there's a star wars uh game slash app slash experience 
and you are taken under the, it looks like you're taken under the wing of Darth Vader. And nice. it really does make you the, 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 the main character in the game. Yeah, for sure. So, um, yeah. So yeah, uh, I definitely want you back on. So I'll, I'll wrap this up. So if, if, like I said, this is Harold Goldberg. If anybody would like to look him up, go right ahead. Harold, do you have anything else to say before you go? Yeah, I would. You know, we talked a little bit about our our nonprofit group. So if you want to see what those kids are doing, go to nygamecritics.com, and I'm at Harold Goldberg on Twitter. Awesome. Harold had a great time. Like I said, if you have, if you want to come right back on, you can just shoot me an email. And if you know anybody else who wants to come on and like I said, talk video games or books, whatever it is, I'm more than welcome to listen. And uh, this is all about educating me, myself and the listener. And I think you did a great job of that. Great. Great, Sergio. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you. All right. You have a good one. You too. Bye now. All right. See ya.